Again, today we resume our sermon series, Blessed Assurance, the Biblical Promise of Heaven. The Biblical Promise of Heaven. When we started three weeks ago, we started with really the starting place, the truth from Colossians chapter 3, that as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, we are to set our minds, the Bible says, on the things above where Christ is. We're to fix our minds on the eternal. We're to fix our minds on heaven. Very simply, we are to live with eternity in view. Do you understand? That's what we're to do as Christians. That's our biblical call. We are to live. We are to go through the days of our life. We're to prioritize the days of our life with eternity in view. Because the truth is, this world is not our home. Our citizenship is not here. Our future is not here. Our hope is not here. And so as Christians, we set our eyes not here, but rather on the eternal, on the, eternal, on the reality of heaven. Now, here is the danger of our day. Here's the big danger. The danger is that we are becoming so enamored with the present and you look at how we're living our lives today, the materialistic pull of our lives, the, the success that we think is success, the, the things that we chase after, the danger is that, that we will become so enamored with this reality, with, with this stuff, that we would rarely ever think about heaven. Now I want you to just think about that for just a second. We're so involved in the, the things of this world, the, the things of this reality, that we rarely ever think about heaven. I wonder if we were to take a poll here today and if we were to ask the question, how much time do we spend thinking about heaven? Actually thinking about eternity in heaven. Out of the 8,760 hours in this year, out of the 720 hours in a month, out of the 168 hours in a week, out of the 24 hours of this day, how much time do we spend with our thoughts on the eternal? How much do we honestly consider heaven? Now, I would venture to say it's probably not that much. I would think maybe there's an event or something that turns our eyes toward heaven and maybe we stay there for a little bit. But I think over the course of a year, over the course of a month, it's probably not that much time that we spend with our thoughts on heaven, on the eternal. Well, today from God's word, from God's own description, I want today to begin, it's going to take us about three weeks, but I want to begin to paint a picture of our eternal home. I want to begin today to paint a picture of our eternal dwelling place. Now think about that for just a moment this morning. For Christians, this is the reward. For us as Christians, this is the final state. This is our home for all eternity. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. This is where we will spend eternity. We will break 10,000 years there and we will have no less days. We will only just begun. Heaven, our 
eternal home. And God's going to describe it to us. I thought about that this week. God himself is going to describe it to us. Our message this morning is entitled, Pictures of Home. Pictures of Home. We're this morning in Revelation chapter 21. We're going to look at the very first five verses, verses 1 through 5. Revelation chapter 21, today verses 1 through 5. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful. We are so thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that we have grace and mercy and the forgiveness of sin through the work of Jesus Christ, the finished work on the cross of Calvary. I'm thankful that there is a way to be in heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. And again, your grace extends it to us. I come now and I pray as we begin to study your word, as we begin to see the picture of our eternal home. I pray that it would so change us, that it would so impact us, that it would so grip us, that we would leave here with our eyes fixed, not on things that are gonna pass away, but on the eternal. I pray in the painting of this picture, and more than that, the explaining of the grace of the gospel that makes it available to us as sinners, that if there are some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ, I pray that in this hour they might be saved. Lord, we open our hearts and we open our eyes and our ears. We ask now that you would speak supernaturally through the preaching of your word. We give all the honor and the glory to you. We love you and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me start today, and let me, let me say, as exciting as this is, and as excited as I am to lay out this picture, let me just go ahead and tell you up front, I am sure, I am positive that words cannot do it justice. And the depth of the words here from God, I, I will tell you, are, are truly hard for us to fully understand. And so be sure today, it is in reverence, and it is in awe, that this scene in God's grace is able to be opened up before us. Understand that. These, these words, they're so rich and they're so deep that it, it's an amazing thing and it's God's grace that he would allow sinful people to see this scene even open up before us. And so we approach this subject with reverence and awe. Today we're going to see five truths 
about heaven. And I think it's important to say from God himself, not from somebody's expectation, not from somebody's experiences, but five truths about our eternal home from God himself. The first thing we're gonna see today is the preparation of heaven, the preparation of heaven. And we're gonna begin with our verses. Starting in verse one, the preparation of heaven, verse one, it says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. Now understand the context here. The, the apostle John on the prison island of Patmos has a divine vision from God. And the recording of this vision is the book that we call the Revelation to John. Be sure, it is an intense revelation. You read through this book, it is an intense revelation. Understand, it is a complex, it is a complicated revelation. But also understand this morning, it is a necessary Revelation. Now, what that means is this. God wants us to know these things. God wants us to know these things. Now, sometimes we act like, well, we just can't know these things. The, the book of Revelation, I'm not sure we understand it, so we're not able to know these things. And so we're just going to guess about them, or maybe we'll have long discussions about them and act like it's some mystery that we have to put the pieces together. No, God wants us to know these things. It is a necessary revelation. Be sure that he wants us to know these things. And so that's why he divinely gives them to John to divinely give them to us. As we come now to the 21st chapter, John describes here the final state, the final heaven, the place, and I want to tell you, the actual place. And I, I think we have to really start off understanding our picture by understanding this is an actual place. This is the actual place where we will reside in eternity. This is the description of the final place where we will be for all eternity, the actual place. He begins to describe here in the 21st chapter. Verse one starts and it says, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now, see the picture today as it starts. The word heaven here means literally the heights above or the upper regions. That's literally what it translates. Here in this verse, it is referring to the earth's atmosphere. It's referring to the sky or the clouds, the, the atmosphere above the earth. It's not heaven as we would say, well, where God is dwelling, that understanding of heaven, but it is the atmosphere above the earth. And so John says here, there is a new heaven, the atmosphere above the earth, and there is a new earth. There's a new heaven and there is a new earth. For, meaning because the first heaven and the first earth passed away. Literally, it means ceased to exist, came to an end, passed away. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And he says, and there is no longer any sea. Now, I'll just tell you this. 
I'm not sure why there's no longer any sea. I'm not sure what that means. The Bible says, however, there's no longer any sea. Now from that, we can see this, however. Understand, there's no longer any sea. What that means is there is a new order in heaven. There is a new order in our final home. There is no sea. We're also going to see next week and the week after, there's also going to be no sun and no moon and no stars. There is a new order of things in our eternal home. Listen to verse 1 again. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Now get this. Here's the truth. Our home for eternity is not a renovated heaven and earth. It is not a repaired heaven and earth. It is a new heaven and earth. Now that's a huge thing. It's not a repaired heaven and earth. It is a new heaven and earth. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. You just listen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. It says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, see this this morning. Understand, this is is really too much. This is really too awesome. Understand, eternity begins... And there will be no stain of sin. There will be no reminder of unrighteousness. There will be no marks of our rebellion. There'll be no monuments to our shame. And everything that is wicked and everything that has been ruined and everything that is cursed and everything that is broken will be destroyed. And only on the pristine, perfect creation of God will we launch into eternity. Do you see that picture? No more places to walk by and say, oh, I grieve the sin of this place. No more places to walk by and say, oh, my heart was broken in this place. All of those things are gone and we start in the pristine, perfect creation of God. Do you see the picture? That's the starting place. Praise God. Praise God. So we see the preparation of heaven. The second thing we see today is the province of heaven. The province of heaven. Second verse says this. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. John is trying to relay this to us and make it accessible to us. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now see the picture. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth. 
The old has passed away. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth. And then the Bible says, and coming down out of heaven. Coming down out of heaven. It's the same Greek word for heights above or the upper region. And so coming down out of the heights above, coming down out of the upper region, it says coming down out of heaven from God. Now understand, it is God's work. It is God's work. Is coming down from heaven from God is a new Jerusalem. Remember Jerusalem was the capital city. Remember, Jerusalem was the, the city of God's people. It, it was the city where the, where the palace was. It was the city where the king lived. It was the city where the temple was, where the, where the presence of God was known. Well, now it says there is a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride made ready by God, as a bride made ready adorned for her husband. Sometimes bride, in fact, most of the time in scripture refers to the church, not here. The picture here of the bride is this province, is this great city. The bride is the new Jerusalem. Now keep on seeing the picture here. On this perfect pristine slate of a new heaven and a new earth comes now from God a new Jerusalem prepared by God as like a bride for her husband. Now I want you to see the picture here. Over the years, I've done a whole bunch of weddings and it's, it's always awesome for me to watch the start of the wedding. Maybe you can think about this. The, the wedding march starts. Here goes the organ. Dun, 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 dun. The, the wedding march starts. And then it's always kind of startling. The doors both open. Boom. Somebody opens the doors. And in steps the bride. Now, I get a different perspective from standing up here, but everybody stands and turns to look at the bride. But I like to look at the groom. And I like to watch as his bride, the one that, that he wants, the one that he loves, the one that he thinks is beautiful. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. He thinks she's beautiful and he cherishes her. And as she starts in, I like to watch his eyes. I like to watch his smile. I can almost feel his heart. Well, God says here there was once a Jerusalem and it held the temple, and it held the king's palace, and it once pointed to the glory of God. Oh, but that Jerusalem was never complete. That Jerusalem was never fully right. In fact, outside of that Jerusalem, they killed my son. But now, as the groom leans in, now as the groom looks up in an anticipation, he has prepared a new and better Jerusalem, and the city now prepared at the hands of God comes down, and there his glory will reign. There's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And I look up and there comes a new Jerusalem. And there's an anticipation as if we were waiting for that beautiful bride. I don't like to fly much, but I want to see Jerusalem. I want to go see Jerusalem. I'd, I'd love to see 
with my eyes and touch with my hands the steps where Jesus walked. The place where he comes and he enters into Jerusalem the last time and there they would have secured a little donkey. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I would like to see the hill that represents there Golgotha, the place where he's crucified. I'd like to see the things there in Jerusalem. I really would. But friend, let me tell you, if I never make it there, if I never make it, as sure as anything because of the grace of God shown to me through Jesus Christ, one day you look for me here in the new Jerusalem. Amen. And we'll praise God. Verse two. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. So first we have the preparation of heaven. Second, we have the province of heaven. Third, we have now the presence of heaven. The presence of heaven. Verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. Now see the picture here as it builds. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth and there is no stain of sin. There is a new Jerusalem that's come down out of heaven. And now there is a shout from the throne. It is a shout of an angel. And the angel says, behold. Now behold is, is, is a word of strong notice. We would we would translate it honestly as look, look. That's what we would translate it as. And so there is a shout from the throne. There's an angel there from the throne and he shouts, look, look, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. Tabernacle literally means dwelling place. That's its basic understanding, its basic translation, dwelling place. It was either a tent or a booth. And so when someone talked about a tabernacle, in, in the general sense, they're talking about a tent or a booth, a dwelling place. However, for the Jewish people, they could not hear this and not think about the original tabernacle, the, the tabernacle of the Old Testament. Now remember, God commands the construction, and it's very detailed, of the tabernacle. And they would move, and they would stop, and they would set up the tabernacle there in the midst of their camp. And that tabernacle represented the presence of God in their midst. Now, I want you to start to see how this picture develops. This tabernacle, they would stop, and they would erect the tabernacle, and it represented the presence of God in their midst. It signaled to them that there is a holy God and it was a reminder that yes, he is a holy God, but he's also a God that is with us. And so there the tabernacle in their midst gave them hope, gave them confidence. 
Now, more than that, the tabernacle in their midst also showed their other, their other neighbors, their other maybe enemies, other nations, that God is with his people. And so they can see there, there's the tabernacle of God. There's a God, and he's with his people. Well, in all of that, it was considered the place where the glory of God dwelt. The glory of God dwelt. They could look down and down there in that tent, down there in the tabernacle in our midst dwells the glory of God. Now what an encouraging thing that is. Here in the midst of his people dwells the glory of God. But there was a problem with that tabernacle. You see, because of sin, they couldn't enter in. And so there the tabernacle stands and it stands there in their midst, the presence, the glory of God. Oh, what hope that is. But because of sin, they couldn't enter in. Only the, only the high priest and only on a special event, a special day, could he. And as great as the tabernacle was, the glory of God is with his people. There is a sadness to that tabernacle. The glory of God is with us. But it also stands to remind, but the glory of God is not accessible to us. There's a sadness there with that tabernacle. And as they stand there in its midst, as they stand on the outside and they're ruined and they're stained in their sin, they long to know the God that's on the inside and he's holy and he's great. And as they stand there and as great as the tabernacle is, there's a sadness, oh, that we could be in fellowship with the God inside that tabernacle. And into that sadness, the angel says, look, look, the tabernacle of God is among men, but look, it's different now. He dwells among them, and there is people. Look, God himself is with them. No more sin, no more stain of sin, and God is with his people. Folks, our eternal home is in the presence of our holy God. He's not diminished. His holiness is not. But now he dwells. We are his people and he is among us. Look, look, God is with his people. That's the cry of our eternal state. God is with his people. Fourth thing we see, the preciousness of heaven. The preciousness of heaven. Verse four. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. See the picture. The only God, the only one true God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God who says to Moses, I am, who shall I tell him has sent me? Tell him I am has sent you, I am. The God who is holy, who is eternal, who is infinite, whose knowledge knows no bounds and has no limits, the God who is righteous, infinitely righteous, the God who is just, 
the God who never changes, the God who has, he possesses all wisdom, the God who is unsearchable, the God who is all-powerful, the God who is present everywhere, the God who depends upon no one for his existence, the God who reigns sovereignly, the God who is unmeasurable, the God who is good and who is faithful, who is incomparable. No one is like him. He is the only one that is worthy of all praise and all honor. The God that the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty that God wipes away their every tear. Our only tear. He does it. Our eyes. Oh, when I read that verse, there's mercy unimaginable. Oh, there's grace incomprehensible. There's love immeasurable. And that God, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And then our eternal home, there'll no longer be any death, not one more death. There'll no longer be any mourning, no mourning there, no crying, no pain. Can you imagine never stooping to cry again? For the first things have passed away. God himself will wipe our tears. Oh, how precious. Last, we see the promise of heaven. The promise of heaven. Verse five. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. And he who sits on the throne, understanding it's no longer an angel speaking, but now God himself is speaking. The lesson from the book of Genesis is only God can create. And so now God is speaking here from the throne and he says, behold, I am making all things new. Friends, the promise of heaven, the promise of our eternal home is all things are new. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth and there is a new order and there is a new Jerusalem that has come down and all things are new. And what was broken in our iniquity, what was decaying in disease, what had died in sin, all of it from the smallest to the biggest of it, he in his work alone, his alone, and he for his glory, his alone, he is making all things new. Praise God. That's the promise of heaven. Behold, look, look. I am making all things new. What was ruined in sin, look, look. I am making all things new. He tells John, right, for these words are faithful and true. Do you know, friends, we hold what he wrote. These are those words. These are the words that are faithful and true. This isn't a man's perception. These are the words, right, John, right. These are the words that are faithful 
and true. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. What a picture. What a picture. You know what I've noticed? This intended to be a study of heaven. You know what it ended up being? A study of Jesus. You see, it's his home, and it's his provision, and it's his work that secures our place there, and it's his blood. He is the one that when he dies, that the, 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 the veil is torn and access is made. It's really a study of Jesus. He's the king there. He reigns there. He's sovereign there. Oh, what an awesome Savior we have. And just a glimpse we see in the creation of heaven. Our hope today, listen, is not in heaven. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope today on this day and this hour is in Jesus Christ. Yes, he makes a provision for us in heaven, but our hope's in Jesus. Our hope in that day is in Jesus. Our, our joy in that day will be in Jesus. Have you received him today? Is he your Lord today? You see, because the hope of it all is our Savior, Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior. I'm thankful for the hope that I have in him, that a sinner such as I can see the marvels of a place so pristine and perfect. I'm thankful that you knew our broken, sin-stained hearts. And you knew in your grace to remove every reminder of the fall, to remove every reminder of the curse. And in your grace, you carry it away, you burn it up, and you give us a clean slate. I'm thankful that you bring a new Jerusalem where the king now stands, not blemished, the hands and the desires of man, but the king will now stand in eternity. I'm thankful that there will be no temple, there will be no tabernacle, but you will tabernacle with us. We will be in your presence. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you on this day. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray that today they'd put their faith in you. Lord, I pray whatever it would take, I pray that the conviction of sin would burn in their heart. The, the need for a Savior would burn in their heart. That today they would put their faith in you and Jesus for their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here today that are saved. I pray that we would leave here 
with our minds fixed on eternity, our minds fixed on what truly matters, our priorities shaped by the reality of heaven. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.